It's been a while. <laughs> Lost count. I feel a little rusty. And let me acknowledge the elephant in the room, the swirling of emotions, at least in my own heart this morning. This is uh, too much for one Sunday. <laughs> too much. I have a swirl of emotions of just immense gratitude for God's provision for this church. Provision of Mary and Toby and Melissa, choir leading us so well, what wonderful worship. Provision of godly men who will sacrifice time and energy to serve us. Provision of a dear friend who's becoming an elder officially and formally today in our church. And then I can't even look at those two other guys. <laughs> I was really doing well this morning until I decided I would write Brian and Becky and Blair and Aaron a letter from my office. And uh, it was just another testimony of God's tremendous provision for this church. And now a provision for a future church. And so that's, that's, that's for later, right? That's just, I just want to acknowledge the, the emotions that are probably swirling in the room. After the service today, after we install Billie Jean, we're going to go have a wonderful lunch uh, together. And we're going to have a microphone set up so that Brian and maybe Becky and Blair and maybe Aaron, if they choose, can share with us. And then we're going to have prayer for them over there as they launch. But for now, we turn our attention to the installation of a new elder in our church. And this is a significant event in the life of Curvo Bible. Elders, shepherds are a big deal in the Bible, and we try to make that a big deal here appropriately. I think it was actually Blair who said it best, Billy Jean, about today. He said, out with the new and in with the old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let the record show it was Blair <laughs> who came up with that. Indeed, this day has been many, many years in the making. I've asked Billie Jean to relocate from over here to my left to almost front and center because much of this is directed to him and for him, though you will not be left out, as you will see. Born about 68 years ago and a new birth 46 years ago. That's why I say this day has been many years in the making. Married to Janie 42 years ago and then off to Bible college in Tennessee, Chattanooga to be specific. Years then of teaching and other churches eldering and even helping to start other churches in the area. But ironically and providentially, it took a heart attack in 2009, July to be exact, where it appeared that God was going to take this brother on home, but he spared his life. And then God used that heart attack and the abundance of deer on our roads to move Billie Jean and Janie from Bandera to Kerrville and thus to Kerrville Bible Church. 
He has said before that he would not be here in this church apart from that heart attack. And so we see God's hand of provision in a mysterious way. Billy Jean, you have been a prolific teacher of God's word here in this church now for many years. And you have blessed many in this room by your teaching. This man has gone through the elder in training series, not once, but twice. He has persevered and done whatever was asked of him. He has grown in our midst. I think it's important that we, when we install an elder or deacon, that we see men who have grown in the ministry of the church that they're going to serve. And this has happened. He has set in on elder meetings for months upon months, joining us at that table. And so beyond a doubt, in many ways, maybe more than any lay elder in the history of this church, this man has been tested and, and approved and, and examined and affirmed by the body of believers here. Today, one of the sheep becomes one of the under shepherds while still remaining a sheep of the chief shepherd. It's complicated. <laughs> but thankfully, King David understood this. Thankfully, King David understood the dual roles of sheep and shepherd. The youngest of seven, David was an afterthought when it came to finding the next king of Israel. Brother after brother passed over until they finally came to the young David. In those days, he was a literal watcher and overseer of lowly, smelly sheep. Out in the fields around Bethlehem, those hills of Judea. This young boy would become the shepherd king of an entire nation. God's nation. God's chosen nation. But first, he must prove himself. First, he must exercise himself with endless hours of invisible labor. Labor that proved his love for his earthly father. Labor that proved his love for those sheep and his faithfulness to his father's wishes. We all know the grand stories of David. We should not overlook the invisible, silent stories of David that no man saw as he faithfully cared for those sheep. He would meet danger with courage as he dealt with both bear and lions who would come after and threaten his precious charges entrusted to him. And probably unknown to David at the time of all of that was a preparation going on for this Young boy to grow into a young man to face the enemy of God's people, right? To not blink in the face of this giant who would take off his head and slaughter the people of Israel. And so David knew much about caring for sheep in the wilderness of Israel, literal sheep. And he knew what it meant to be a shepherd of men, a ruler, a leader, a, a guide, a protector of people. But underneath all of that, and most important to all of that, David understood what it meant to be a sheep in God's care. He understood that the Lord himself was committed to David's care and David's protection and David's direction. And he knew that that would last for all of his life and into eternity. See, before David could shepherd this nation surrounded by enemies and a nation prone to wander, prone to leave the God they loved. 
Before he could do any of that, he must first be a sheep in God's fold. He must first be defended by God and kept from leaving God completely. Oh, David could sing with us, couldn't he? Prone to wonder. He wandered badly, but he didn't leave completely because God kept him. That's the difference between David and Saul. That's the difference between Judas and Peter. God's hand was upon him and David knew this. In fact, it was God's providence over David's life that ensured that David's understanding of being a sheep would be deeply ingrained in his heart. God providentially allowed in David's life tremendous suffering and tremendous sin. Allowing both of these things to take place so that God could draw David closer and closer to himself. And then at some point along the way. In some maybe hidden cave or some faraway place in the wilderness. This man sat down alone with his God. This shepherd of men and lover of God. And he penned these immortal, unforgettable, most amazing words of Psalm 23. This might very well be the most memorized passage in all the Bible. John 3.16, the most memorized verse. Here, the most memorized passage. And today it serves, Billy Jean, as an encouragement to you. It serves as a... A boost into your soul to be a shepherd of people. To remember that you're first a sheep of God. My title this morning then is The Shepherd's Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness And loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. The proposition this morning is aimed at one individual. Billie Jean, God himself is your shepherd. You are first a sheep in God's own sheepfold. What is the most important line in this psalm? What is the most important words, the most important phrase in this unforgettable, most memorable of psalms? Beloved, it is the first five words in English. Everything else flows from this. Everything else hinges on this. Everything else is a result of this. The most important words of Psalm 23 are these words. The Lord is my shepherd. And so that's where we must begin. This is what drives this psalm. It's what makes it so special and so precious to us. David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. 
I am that I am is my shepherd. The one who met with Moses and said, I am will be with you is my shepherd. The all-sufficient God, the independent God, the God who needs no one or nothing is my shepherd. Jehovah is his personal king and personal ruler and personal provider. This is so critical to ever being a shepherd of sheep. Yahweh is my shepherd. It takes us back to Exodus 34 where God preaches a sermon about himself and he says, The Lord... The Lord, Yahweh, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and compassion. He preaches his own character. That's who David says is my personal shepherd. The my there is so critical, isn't it? The my is the difference between night and day, eternity won and eternity lost. The my is where God becomes personal in a person's life and a relationship is established. Yes, we we worship as a congregation. Yes, we are the people of God. Yes, we are a community of believers. But at the end of the day, it better be individual and it better be personal. Not private, not exclusive, but personal. We must be able to say with David, the Yahweh, by his personal name, we address him by his covenant keeping name. Yahweh is my shepherd. Billy Jean, you know this. You believe this, and this is true of your life. And so my prayer for you today and my charge for you today is just grow deeper and deeper into the reality of those first five words of Psalm 23. To be reminded of that on a daily basis, to look to the Lord who is all sufficient for all things. And revel and be in awe and be overcome and be blown away That this transcendent, eternal God would stoop so low as to carry you through your entire life. To lead you and guide you and protect you and feed you and give everything that you would ever need. This is an amazing thing, beloved, that he would do this for us. Of course, the New Testament brings this into full high definition, doesn't it? We can know that Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the flock. We know that Jesus Christ is all of this for us. That it all comes from God the Father through his Son. So this is the most important line of Psalm 23. Everything else is result. Everything else is here for our encouragement. Everything else is here for God's exaltation. This psalm has given vent to the people of God for centuries to be able to be blessed in their life and to give expression to it or to be going through great trials and deep darkness and to give expression to it. This psalm is here for our encouragement and for God's glory and praise because it all points to him. The psalm is about God as shepherd. It's about what he does, what he is doing, and what he will always do for his sheep. Everything else in the psalm then fleshes out this monumental statement. Everything else here describes what God does for his people and what he's doing for our brother as he begins this ministry this morning. So why have I chosen this for an elder installation? Because this is ground zero of your ministry. This is ground zero. This is the power plant from which everything else will flow. The only way we can be faithful shepherds and faithful pastors. 
And I would even say really faithful believers is to first be a sheep. To know your place in the family of God. So our outline then as we walk through the psalm is four results. Four results when God is your shepherd. And again, by way of encouragement, there are no commands here. These are all statements of facts. Truth. Pulled right out of the, really, the gospel. Number one result when God is your shepherd is he makes you content. He makes you content. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not want. I do not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You can sum all of that up in contentment. God alone then can make us content. I have no lack of what I need, David says. Did David have suffering? Yes. Did he have to run for his life at times? Yes. But he had no lack of what he needed in his life. David can say here, the Lord is my shepherd. I am satisfied. The Lord is my shepherd. I am content. The Lord is my shepherd. I am at rest. I'm not striving. I'm not in constant turmoil. How can I be if Yahweh is my shepherd? He makes you content. David is saying that whatever you need, your shepherd knows it and your shepherd gives it. And he gives it in perfect measure and in perfect timing. And he gives us examples of this, doesn't he? He gives us illustrations of this from the sheep fields. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, Judea and Israel is much like the hill country. Green pastures were a very seasonal thing, right? A couple of times a year, they had rainy seasons. Everything greened up. It was lush. It looked great. But the rest of the year, it dried out. And we see that here over and over and over all the time. What he is saying in this phrase, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What David is saying is, these pastures might be seasonal, but the green pastures of God are not seasonal. In other words, he's not just needlessly moving me around as a sheep. He allows me to settle in in a place that he calls green pastures to feed and to be nourished in that place. To eat and be satisfied. To not be driven here and there seeking something else because he is my shepherd. What else is there to seek? He is the green pasture. And so it's not seasonal. It doesn't come and go with the whims of life. This is an amazing statement. He goes on with another illustration. He leads me beside quiet or still or restful waters. Now, sheep, like any other animal, can drink from a running water that's not, you know, carrying everything in its path away. But nothing wants to get up to a flooding stream. That's dangerous. But what the idea here is that the water is a water of rest. The the sheep can linger there. There's no rush. Get a drink and let's go. It's take your time. Refresh yourself. Be invigorated once again. Our shepherd leads us to those places. I think this uh, obviously, doesn't it, anticipate the fountain of all of our contentment? The fountain we call the Lord Jesus Christ, the living water that he brings to a parched soul. 
John 7 says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So the, the shepherd not only leads us to the quiet waters, the shepherd is the quiet waters. The shepherd becomes a, a spring of water within our very soul, springing up within us. If we will heed his invitation, if we will come to him and drink, if we will live on him and not the things of this world, not the broken cisterns that can hold no water. Take a drink of that and you get sand in your mouth and your coffin and your gag and you're going, why did I drink that? While Jesus is always standing there saying, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. This is what the good shepherd does. Your shepherd then leads you to unrushed, unhurried replenishment. Found only in himself. And you know something of eldering. You've been here before. You know that there's going to be days where you're going to need this unhurried, unrushed replenishment for your soul. You'll have nothing to give. You'll have nothing to teach, nothing to say until you're filled up again. And so I'm just pointing you back to what you know to be true in the Good Shepherd. He goes on, he says, he restores me, uh, restores my soul. Literally, he restores me. Soul there is nephish. It means life. It means myself. He restores me. <laughs> Isn't that good? I mean, I need restoring, right? He vivifies me. He awakens me. He quickens me. He, he rejuvenates me. That's what David is saying. Life is hard. Life is long. There are bruises and battles and wounds and difficulties. And at the end of the day, we're kind of spent sometimes. And we, we go before the Lord and we say, my soul, my life, me, Lord, restore me. <laughs> Fix me. Heal me. Straighten me out. He does all of this. He restores it's Psalm 19 that tells us that the word of God restores. And so he does it through his living word. David knows then the, the guiding hand of God on his life. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. The well-worn paths, the tracks, literally the trail. There's a right trail and then there's wrong stuff. And there's a straight path and then there's crooked paths. And he's saying, my shepherd, he's all about the right path and the right destination. And he wants to keep me on it and he leads me there. And he does all of this for his reputation, not our reputation. For his honor, not our honor. For his glory, not our glory. It's all, you see that verse 3, it's all for his name's sake. If we turned this around and thought about what life would be like without God as our shepherd... If we looked at what he does and, and take it away, we would have to say, without the Lord we are needy. We're just a bundle of needs. We're always wanting. We're always lacking, right, without the Lord. We would have to say that we're hungry. We don't know anything of green pastures and satisfaction and fulfillment of something that lasts. We say, man, I'm just a constant hunger pain for more and more and more. If without the Lord we're thirsty, we're parched, our cup is dry. Without the Lord we're frantic. The, water, the waters aren't quiet. We can't rest there. We can't relax there. We're fearful. Without the Lord, we're unrestored, aren't we? Without the Lord, we're dilapidated and we're discombobulated and, and we're diseased and we're depraved. Without the Lord, all of this goes away. 
And our life is a complete mess of chaos and a train wreck of diseased souls and sin. Without the Lord, we're all prone to wander to crooked paths and we will get on them and stay there without the Lord. But praise God, you are not without the Lord. (laughs) Praise God, you are not without the Lord this morning. Amen. (laughs) Praise God, the Lord is your shepherd. Carries his use in his arms. Guides them all day long. Billy Jean, as you elder in our midst, as you shepherd and oversee alongside your brothers, I want to call you this morning to do so with a heart that is content in God as your good shepherd. I want to call you to just work on contentment in him and him alone. Because then and only then you will be able to help the sheep of Kerbal Bible Church discern. You will help them to discern why they are discontent. You'll be able to help them discern why they are dissatisfied and why they are feeling empty. You can only do this as you are not dissatisfied with the Lord or discontent with the Lord. The sheep here will need you to gently and consistently remind us that the Lord is our shepherd and therefore we shall not lack anything and one of those sheep's myself, and you'll need to remind me when the spurs fall short. You know, I need to know. The Lord is my shepherd. So we all have things in life we expect to happen, want to happen, then they don't, and we start to feel dissatisfied, don't we? And we need our elders to come along and point us again, lift our heads again, and say, You need to look back at Jesus. The second thing that the shepherd does that is a result of his being our shepherd is he alone makes you comfortable, comfortable. Now, we're a society all about seeking comfort, aren't we? All about ease and rest and everything padded and everything safe and temperature controlled. I mean, look at us sitting in this air conditioned building on padded pews, both bottoms and backs, you know, (laughs) carpeted floor, microphone so you can hear and. You're going to get in your car. I mean, we're all about that. And so comfortable can even take on bad connotations for Christians. But I want to use it in a good connotation this morning because God alone can make us truly comfortable. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or through the valley of deep darkness, I fear no evil. I fear no bad. I fear no wrong for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is now forming a, a really a, a, a package going back to verse one, because the end of verse four here is just a restatement, isn't it? You, you see that it's just a restatement of the Lord is my shepherd. And so this is kind of forming a unit of thought. David here is picturing the ravines and the wadis or the dry creek beds of Judea wilderness. And he's picturing how these ravines are so steep that the sunlight rarely hits directly in them. And most of the time you're getting shadows and darkness and some of them are very dark. And they're also filled with threats, threats of wild animals and threats of robbers out trying to take advantage of people in confined spaces that can't see the dangers coming. And so David has this in mind and he calls it the valley of the shadow of death. And many through the centuries have applied that to being on a deathbed, being in the throes of that experience. And certainly he could have had that in mind. 
David says, when I'm in that place, that dry wadi, that place where I can't see all of the dangers and where even the sunlight is not beaming down on me, when I don't even sense the smile of God on me, he says, even though I'm there, I fear no evil. I fear nothing, he's saying, nothing that will come bad upon me. He is comfortable even there. He's even comfortable and comforted in the valley. This is an amazing statement. This is the next result of God as your shepherd. But why? Because he restates verse 1. For you are with me. God goes with us into the valley of the shadow of death. And he stays there. He puts some uh, word pictures here for us as a shepherd. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me bring that into our day and age. Billy Jean likes to go on walks. And he likes to walk his dog. And uh, I'm sure most of the time, if he's on the roads, that dog is on a leash. Now, if there were threats to his dog, he might carry a baseball bat. And he might have his dog on the leash, right? And that's the picture here. The rod is the baseball bat to beat away the threats to God's sheep. God is with us and he carries a rod and a staff. And the rod is a club that's going to club that predator to death. (laughs) And the staff is like the leash. The staff keeps us in check. The staff is what he uses to reach out and bring us near. The staff is what he would use to tap on us a little bit. Not club us. He would never club us. But he might tap on us to get our attention, to redirect our steps. And then pull us in with that crook of the shepherd's staff. And so it is for the Lord with us. This is really a combo of comfort then. An amazing combo of comfort as he walks with us. Fears and trials will press in, but God never checks out. He never exits the building. He never leaves the believer no matter what. In fact, the more tender, helpless, and burdened any of the flock may be, the greater will be his compassion said W.S. Plummer on this psalm. Billy Jean has endeavored to take on a senior care ministry in our church, for which we praise the Lord for putting that upon his heart. Brother, I just want to say to you, for you to give comfort, you must first receive comfort. To be able to help on those occasions that might be by the side of of a saint on their deathbed, to be comfortable, for that saint to be comfortable on their deathbed, you must first be comfortable yourself going through the valley of the shadow of death. I know you are. I know you you almost got there. You you thought about that and you were at peace, aren't you? That's a good uh, that's a good place that the Lord had you. We serve up comfort then as those who have received God's comfort. Second Corinthians one, we won't take time, but Paul lived in God's comfort and was therefore able to comfort others. And so it always begins with God as our shepherd, God making us comfortable, God walking with us through our own valleys so that we can then share that with others. Third result, when God is your shepherd, is verse 5. He makes you calm. He makes you calm when God is your shepherd. The metaphor changes in verse 5. Did you notice this? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, all of a sudden, it's a banquet table. It's a feast. We're not talking about sheep sitting at a table anymore. He's left the shepherding metaphor, and he's now in a banquet metaphor, a house metaphor, a family metaphor. And he's saying that 
God, as his shepherd, prepares a table in the very presence of his enemies. He's anointed his head with oil. That's what you do with a guest, right? That anointing there is not of his kingly ministry. That's the anointing that a guest gets when he's welcomed into a house. And my cup overflows. And so I just capture all of that as the word calm. The Lord is my host is the new metaphor in verse 5. A host who gives his best to his guest. In fact, David is even speaking here of a son at the father's table. David knows that he is welcomed at Yahweh's bountiful table. David knows that he's safe at Yahweh's table, that the cup of God's provision is overflowing in his life and therefore constant. My cup overflows. My cup isn't half full. My cup isn't even full. My cup is overflowing because there's an abundance of God's spiritual blessings in my life and they're always there. They never disappear. And so you have the picture here of utter calm in the presence of barking dogs. The enemies are still there. They're real, but they're defeated foes and he feasts in their very presence. How safe is that? How calm is that to be able to eat while your enemies look on? God has adopted you. God has invited you and you are at a place at his table. He has brought you into the banquet hall. You're feasting on his grace and his mercy, his kindness that is everlasting. This is all critical to be calm, isn't it? To be composed. But if we took verse 1 out of the picture, if we took verse 4 out of the picture, our enemies would crush us and then rejoice over us. We would have no chance. If we took verse 1 out of the picture, we would lose our sign of welcome. There would be no anointing on our head because we would find a closed door. No one would let us into this banquet hall because we don't deserve to be there and we'd be shut out forever. If if verse 1 isn't true... Verse 1 isn't true. Our cup is barren and dry and it gathers dust of death. Nothing but death. Billy Jean, as an elder, you might find yourself, and you probably will find yourself with God's people in turmoil, chaos, brokenness, anger, loss, sadness. This door opens that, this, this office opens that door wider for you. You may be with people, and you probably will be, whose physical cup is empty, who's barren, and they feel like they have nothing left even to live for. It is important in those moments that you stay calm. Not uncaring, not insensitive, not unmoved, but calm in the Lord. Understanding That there is a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. (laughs) Understanding that sin and Satan have been defeated. It's so critical that leadership stay calm in the face of chaos and difficulties and trials. Don't become a woe is me elder. Don't become the sky is falling elder. Stay calm knowing that death was crushed to death. Stay calm in the eternal security of all believers. Stay calm in the hope we have of heaven, in the sure victory of Jesus, in the resurrection of the saints, in the return of Christ. We stay calm and elder on. <laughs> stay calm and elder on. Harold, can you make the t-shirt? Okay. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The sheep, especially when they're in a the midst of turmoil, will need to see the voice and the, hear the voice and see the face of calm. 
on their shepherds. Fourth and final result of God as your shepherd. He makes you confident. Verse 6. He makes you confident. Isn't this amazing? Surely or only or certainly or without a doubt. Goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. He's just talked about enemies, hasn't he? What do enemies do? They pursue us. They chase us. They stalk us. And, and David just flips it all around. And he says, you know what's going to stalk me? You know what's going to chase me? You know what's going to be nipping at my heels my entire life? Two things. Goodness and loving kindness. This is confidence, isn't it? This is glorious confidence. God's unmerited, undeserved kindness and goodness will continually flow after us and chase us. God's kesed, his faithful Covenant-keeping faithfulness will follow us. And it's all the days of my life, David says. Not the months, not the years, not the decades. All the days of my life because we live life day by day. And day by day, God's goodness and loving kindness will be chasing after you and me. And that will never be otherwise, no matter what it appears to be. No matter how deep and dark the valley is. The promise of God as your shepherd is that goodness and loving kindness is nipping at your heels, ready to overtake you at any moment. An elder then must be confident that to live is Christ and to die is gain. An elder must be confident that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. An elder must be confident that after they are chased their entire life by goodness and faithfulness, that one day they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Literally, I will return to the house of the Lord. And so translators turn that into forever. Because if I keep returning to the house of the Lord over and over and over again, that speaks of a permanent dwelling place. Elders need to be men who are confident that the suffering we endure now is but light, momentary affliction. That cannot compare to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Elders must be confident that verse 6 is true of their lives. In fact, verse 6 ought to be their life verse. It's the life verse of every believer. But elders especially must have this assurance and this confidence to be able to pass it on. An elder should ooze verse 6. It should just rule our brains all the time. We might, that we might share it with others. So let's conclude and then we will pray for our brother. Billy Jean, the most critical preparation for being an elder is the Lord is my shepherd. I want to encourage you and the other brothers to draw from this daily. It's only one who walks closely with the true senior pastor who can be a pastor. It's only one who is overseen who can be an overseer. Or to say it another way, the godly shepherd has God as his shepherd. The godly shepherd has God as his shepherd. Only God as shepherd can make a person content, comfortable, calm, and confident in life and in death. And Billie Jean, this is what the sheep need most. Believe me when I say this is what they need the most.
The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He restores your soul. He guides you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for God is with you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. He has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies. He has anointed your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.